0: What is going on, God Squad Church? Welcome back to another amazing service. I'm so excited that we can be together today on this amazing Saturday. If you are joining us on Sunday, hey, I love you too. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. It means the world to me that you're willing to give us um, here at this digital church your attention, your time. It means the world to us. And so... We love you, we appreciate you, and we're so excited that you're here with us. Uh, I'm excited because I think the Lord has hopefully something that will awaken you today, something that will shake you up from your norm um, and change the way that your perspective might be about yourself or the place, the the the, the space in which you occupy in this world. The long lasting impact of particular events, actions that took place in the past or of a person's life. That is the definition of legacy. It's the long lasting impact of particular events or actions that took place in the past or in a person's life. Legacy. The greatest thing you can do on this planet is to leave a legacy. If you were to die today, what would the legacy that you left behind look like? Honestly, if you were to take 30 minutes and you were just to start to write down the impact that you've had on this world, what would those pages look like? Are you proud of what's on those pages? Are you happy with it? Are you content? Or are you dissatisfied? My goal today would be to see the words of Jesus change the perspective of how important your purpose is on this earth. I want you to see that you have the ability to change the world by becoming more like Jesus. By listening closely and submitting to Him, you can have an impact that leaves a lasting love filled joyful story the world's obsessed with legends but really legends are created through legacy i think of some legends when i think about legacy and people that have left a long impacting a long lasting impactful life I think of some legends and how many, when you think about a legend, who do you think about? Who do you think about when you think about a legacy left on this earth? Go ahead and start put it in the comments or put it in the chat right now. If you're on YouTube, put it in the comments. Think of someone right now in your head. Who is it that you think about when you think about legacy? Let me give you a few moments go ahead, list some people that you think about, some people that you respect, some people that come to your mind when you think about people that have left a long-lasting, impactful legacy. I know personally, I think about people like Mother Teresa who would lay her hands on those with leprosy that would save babies from the streets. I think about the people that were willing to go to the ends of the earth. They were to go into these scary places. They were to go into these places where no one else wanted to be and extend love and mercy. Here are a few legendary quotes from Mother Teresa. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. She also said, we fear the future because we're wasting today. We fear the future because we're wasting today. Talk about legacy. Talk about impact. Why are you anxious for tomorrow? Well, it's because you've wasted today. You're not prepared for tomorrow. because You've done nothing today. I'm sure we've all played them or you've at least heard about them, seen them, maybe played a walkthrough or seen a walkthrough on YouTube, whatever it is. We've all played the games where when you make a choice, it affects the game, right? Like the first one that like, it affects the story, the future of the game, how it turns out, like which side you're going to, the good or the evil. Immediately the games that come to my head are like Star Wars of the Old Republic or the old fable games, Where like, you know, the Fable games, you would start start turning into like this blonde haired, whatever, if you were the good guy. Or you start turning into this like guy that's growing horns on the other side. Like one of two things would happen. But what happened was your choices affected the outcome of the game. You moved one way or the other. A newer example of that would be Starfield. I don't know how many of you guys have been playing Starfield or if you played Starfield or you're still hoping to get it. But your choices affect what happened in the game. They matter. What you do matters. It has a long lasting impact. Sometimes some of the smallest decisions we make move the needle in our life in a way that we can't quite grasp because we don't understand the ripple effect that casting that stone into the water is going to make. Your decisions, affect your life, but they also affect the lives of others. Let's jump into the scripture here. We're in Luke 10, 25 through 37 today. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll go through the text and then we'll break it down. In verse 25, then an expert in the law stood up to test him saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. And when he saw him, He passed on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The man said, the one who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. This scripture verse, this chunk of scripture, I've heard it preached a million times. I've read it a million times. I know it like the back of my hand. I, I understand Jesus's point and what he's breaking down here. But there's so much intricacy to this story that you cannot understand unless you understand the historical context. You just can't understand the depth of what Jesus is really saying. This isn't a story about just a couple dudes that walked by a guy and didn't and then the third guy was a good guy and he, there's more depth to it than that. In verse 25, that an expert in the law stood up to test him saying, "Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" An expert in the law, a lawyer. Someone that knew what he's talking about. He wasn't testing Jesus in a way of like your parents being like, don't test my patience. No, he was testing him in a way of saying like, like what is this? Do, do you understand this? And could you help me understand it a little better? And Jesus says, what is written in the law? Almost in like a mild, sarcastic way, knowing this man was a lawyer, he understood the law. What, what, like, What does it say to you? Like, what do you get out of it? What are you reading? What are you seeing? And he answers with the beautiful words of love, the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. He told him, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus breaks this down because it could have been a simple answer. But he needed him to understand the impact of what he was asking. Because a man of the law would probably just want something black and white. Something easy to understand. Something to say, you know, I I help these people, I don't help these people but a lot of people misconstrue this too. When he's asking about eternal life, he's not talking about heaven or hell. He's not talking about that ideology. He's talking, the, the, the Jews had a very good understanding that we are eternal beings. But he's talking about the internal life Jesus was talking about in the wellspring, that overflowing, that abundant life, that life with God. How do I live that life? How do I live the eternal life that I can inherit today? Because when we follow Jesus, when we become Christians, we inherit that eternal life today. How do I wrap my mind around that though? How do I get that goodness of God today? And he answers him so plainly. But then when he asked the neighbor question, he's like, oh, let's get let's get a little deep here. You, you need to understand this because obviously this is a big misconstrued. This is an obvious problem within the community that Jesus is communicating to. He knew that this would be something that we needed. So in verse 30, Jesus took up the question and said, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. So, if we're going to start in this text of understanding the background and the significance of it, you have to understand that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was infamous. It was they all understood the context that it was filled with crime and robbery. It wasn't surprising to the listeners in that moment. This wasn't just some random road. This was a very well-known, established understanding. Like Josephus, even in his historical writings, talks about this famous road and how crazy it was. So that establishes a setting that the listeners understood that we might not completely understand. Maybe better if you would understand of like, it would be like, hey, going out in Chicago at nighttime in a bad neighborhood. Like maybe you would get it then. It's not just some random street. It's a very pointed, purposeful place. And he set the story on that particular road for a reason. It was to show that Obviously, this character was foolish. People seldom attempted the Jerusalem to Jericho Road alone. It was it was insane. It, you always traveled in a caravan with numbers as to avoid conflict. This was setting up the idea that this man had no one to blame but himself. So everyone sitting there in that audience, listening to the words of Jesus is like, what an idiot. Why would you ever travel that road alone? That's so stupid. And then he goes on. This guy had no one to blame but himself. But he says, a priest happened to be going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side in the same way a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him pass on the other side. The priest and the Levite really matter in this story too. Because both of them were religious officials. They saw their Jewish brother lying in this terrible condition, but neither one of them did anything. They both passed on the other side. The priest and the Levite are particularly mentioned here, partly because they would obviously be traversing the road, most likely in caravans themselves, simply because of the nature of their office. But they were also mentioned because of the nature of their office. They were also mentioned because they would have like, been expected to do something they would have expected they would have been the, the most understandable the, the easy slotting character right the easy trope to show mercy they would have been the person that you 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 expected to come to the aid and comfort of the man lying on the side of the road And it was jarring because their inhumane conduct in this story was a breach of the law. It was a breach of the office in which they held a standard to. Think of all the excuses they could have had though. You know, the setup here already, you know, well, this is this guy's fault, right? Like, like this guy walked on the road himself. He made that, that it's his problem. So these guys are probably thinking like the road's too dangerous for me to stop and help this man. Like, look what happened to him. Maybe it's a setup. Like it might be a decoy. I've got to get to the temple though, guys. I've got to go do my duties. I can't get blood on these clothes. Like my robes. Like how will I go do ministry? I've got to get home and see my family. You know, it's Time, you know, I don't have time. Sorry. I, I don't know first aid. Like, how, what am I going to do? It's a hopeless case. I'll pray for him later. Well, he didn't ask for my help. Spurgeon puts this beautifully. I never knew a man refused to help the poor who failed to give at least one admirable excuse. I never knew a man to refuse to help the poor who failed to give at least one admirable excuse. Verse 33, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. When Jesus' listeners heard about the priest and the Levite, they probably expected Jesus to say the next was a common Jew. And, you know, the common Jew came in to help him. And, you know, if that happened, this whole story would have been another way, though. Jesus showed the corruption of the religious leaders in that day, but shocked them by saying the man who helped him was a Samaritan. And I don't think in the American mindset we can quite understand this because we don't live in a place where there's tribal warfare. We live in a place where there's racial tension. We live in a place where there is um, there is sexism. We live in a definitely a tension-filled place. But, but racial tribalism is different. The Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritan hated the Jews. They couldn't see eye to eye. They were often seen as worse than Gentiles and Gentiles were such that there were some religious rabbis that would teach them the fact that you shouldn't even help deliver a Gentile's child because you're just bringing another Gentile into the world. And the Samaritans were seen as worse than those. So, Jesus saying Samaritan here wasn't just saying some nationality randomly. He was saying your enemy, the one you despise. And it's twofold here. Because, on one hand, that Samaritan is putting down that hatred to come and lend a hand and be a part and love and show mercy. And on the other hand, he's extending the idea that even your enemies would be willing to love deeply. We get clouded. We lose sight. this hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews can, I think, be antiquated to our own soul because there's people in our life that we see like Samaritans. There's people in our lives that we have a very hard time loving and being kind to and extending grace and mercy and love. verse 34, he went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine, and then put him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Instead of passing by, the Samaritan loved him sacrificially. He didn't wait to be asked to see the need right in front of him was enough to make him do something. He also gave freely his time and his resources. The guy was probably busy. He probably had something he was trying to get to. The wine really matters and the oil matters because they were there to be an antiseptic and to soothe the pain. To set him on his own animal meant he had to walk. It cost him something to help this man. It wasn't simply just tipping a guy on the way to the to, to, to the to the Dunkin Donuts. It wasn't just simply tipping a guy on your way. It was time and effort and sacrifice and it cost him something. The next day he took out 2 denarii, and he gave him to the innkeeper and said, "Take care of him. And when I come back, I'll reimburse you whatever extra you spend." Two denarii, though, would have taken care of this man for two to three weeks. The Samaritan is Jesus in the story. The Samaritan was an outsider despised by many. The Samaritan came after others failed to meet the need. He came before it was too late. He came with everything necessary. He came to right the afflicted man. He came to give tender care. He came to provide for future needs. And Jesus asks, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? In verse 37, the man says, The one who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. When he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? To that man, the priest and the Levite would have been his neighbor. They would have been a neighbor to the man that was robbed and beaten, but they didn't act like neighbors at all. See, we're arrested, we're we're frozen by the fact that he completely shifted the grounds of the question. And by his reply said, in effect, that the question as to who is a neighbor was not so important as the question to whom he was a neighbor to. See, the lawyer's asking, who is it that I should be paying attention to? But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, who are you a neighbor to? Maybe a better way to understand it is that it wasn't about the, the, of the who the person is, but yet or better yet, who he was. It has nothing to do with them and everything to do with him and his willingness, his intention, his love, his compassion, his mercy. Neighbor is not a specific person, but rather a mindset that each of us should possess. In verse 37, his answer was so vague. The one who showed mercy to him. The lawyer knew who the true neighbor was yet he couldn't bring the, the he couldn't bring himself to say the name of the samaritan because he expected him to be the enemy but he was instead the neighbor who showed mercy on him obviously the lawyer knew he could no longer justify himself he did not have this kind of love a love that went beyond what he wanted to think of as neighbor go and do the same jesus said jesus allowed the parable to answer the lawyer's question and guide the application what a beautiful teacher i am to love my neighbor and my neighbor is the one who others might consider my enemy my neighbor is the one with a need right in front of me my neighbor my neighbor is anyone and everyone even those who I might not want to love, even those who I don't think deserve my love and my mercy. This doesn't mean that we run to every plate and every problem. Like, it's impossible. We would be burnt out. There's no possible way. But what it does mean is that those that are in your plain sight, those that need you, when you do not be the person, you're not the person that just walks by, but you're the person that stops and is loving and attending. Don't suffer from the bystander effect of someone else will deal with it. Be the cause, be the action of love and mercy in someone's life. McLaren puts it this way. The world would be a changed place if every a Christian, every Christian attended to the sorrows that are plain before him. The world would change if we started taking personal responsibility and stopped expecting someone else to take care of our legacy. See each and every day you're mapping out your legacy. And the truth is that eventually the excuse that I'll get to it tomorrow is not going to be applicable to you. What are you doing to write the story of your legacy today? Because the truth of the matter is when normal people say, right, when the secular world says, when when people that aren't Christ followers say they're building a legacy, it doesn't really matter. But when a Christian says that they're building a legacy, they're doing it unto the glory of God. The story you're writing, the lives you affect, the mercy you show, the willingness to be a vessel for God. You're writing a chapter in a beautiful book that is the glory to God. Barely anyone in this world shows love and mercy in the way that Jesus expects it. many, even most people don't have this kind of love for God or others. We have a conflict happening in the world right now. There's multiple. Whether it be Russia and Ukraine or whether it be Hamas in Israel. I don't care about your Twitter posts. I don't care about which side of the fence you stand on. God Squad Church, I care that you love people. I don't care about your opinion on such stupid situations where people are dying. There's lives being lost and mercy and love have lost its way. What are you doing in your day to day to bring peace and love and mercy? What are you doing to be the good Samaritan? You have some reflection to do. Shame on you. Shame on me. For not picking up our cross. And being the reflection of Jesus that we're supposed to be. Love people. Let it go further than your words. Let it be your actions. Leave a legacy, put down your controller and go be present in someone's life. That's hurting. How then will we receive eternal life? If we can't, like most of us, don't have this kind of love towards God and others, what are we supposed to do? It's the beauty of a gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that it's not about doing. It's about letting Jesus It's not about doing more. It's about submission to God. It's about a prayer life that you're allowing to change you and align you to be like God. It's about a conviction that moves you to be more like Christ. If you're not feeling convicted in your life about the things that you do, then there is a heart problem. Luckily, Jesus came to be our substitution. He took the pain. He took the the justice that we were owed. And that's the beauty of the gospel, but it's not an excuse. It's not a reason not to show mercy and kindness and love. It's an excuse to get on your knees and ask him, Lord, Lord, Here I am, send me, use me, change me, mold me. That's the beauty of the gospel. We will always fall short. And yet, He still has us. You are loved by your Creator. What legacy are you writing today? Is it one that when you are drawing your last breaths that you're proud of? And if it's not, what do you need to shift in your life to start beginning to write a more beautiful story? No one told you they love you today. We here at God, we here at God Squad Church, and I, I love you with my whole heart. Talk to you guys soon. God bless.
1: Sorry, guys, I was muted for a second there. Uh, what an amazing message from uh, Pastor Daylight as he was as he was speaking some and he was talking about legacy something that really started to go through my head was when i die here on this earth what are people going to remember um i think we can know that there are people you know he he asked us uh who were some of the influential people that we know of who made a difference in this world Uh, and he talked about mother teresa for a little while and You know, uh, many of you put people in the chat that you feel felt like made a difference in this world and what they did, you know, we saw Jesus put in there. Uh, I think I put in C.S. Lewis. We saw other people that were put in there as well. But I really started to think like, am I reflecting the light of Jesus in the best way that I possibly can? And... I think for all of us, it's a great reminder, and it's a challenge for us to look back and see what our lives look like inside of church, outside of church, with the people that we're with on a daily basis, with the people that we might not like as well. Jesus has called us to love everyone, and he uses this parable of the the Good Samaritan to help us to understand what that should look like and how to apply it to our lives. And that is the type of love that he's asking us to have for all people. And I think that's a great challenge. And also, as Pastor Daylight was talking, maybe you guys caught it. He gave the gospel of Jesus as well, saying that the Good Samaritan was a reflection of Jesus. The fact that Jesus came, that he has saved us. The person that was beat up and and robbed on the road, he came and he took care of us. He paid the debt, everything and even more than what we deserved. But maybe you today, you're sitting here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Saying to yourself, I've never had that type of love for people. I've never felt that type of love for myself. I want you to know something. Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. And all you need to do is surrender to him. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And commit your life to him that you'll follow him. Believing that he died on a cross and that he rose from the dead for you so that you could be saved. maybe you did make that decision. Like I said, you can be making that decision right here where you sit right now. And if you do want to make that decision, that is absolutely amazing. And hey, we want to celebrate with you if you've made that decision today. Maybe you've been sitting there and you've been thinking, hey, my life has been, I haven't been showing that type of love for other people. Maybe this is a time for you where you need to rededicate your life. Saying I'm going to get back on the path that God has created me for. That I'm going to be the man or woman of God that he has created me to be. Hey, we want to celebrate with you as well. If you did make a decision like that today, um, you know, we want to be able to connect with you because there, there's so many different questions that you could possibly have. We'd love to be able to answer those things. And so if somebody can do me a favor and actually type exclamation point connect in the chat. If you made a decision like that today, if you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time today hearing the gospel of Jesus saying, I want that, or maybe saying, hey, listen, I've made this decision before, but I haven't been living the life that I'm supposed to be living. Hey, we wanna connect with you as well. What I would ask you to do is click on that link that comes up in the chat, fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving, because like I said, we wanna connect with you. I'm not gonna spam you with emails or anything, but what I would love to be able to do is walk alongside you in this journey. It is not an easy journey, it's a journey that doesn't just end you know there's a lot of different questions that you might have and we'd love to be able to connect with you and walk on that journey like i said you know, we come we come here to to know god to experience community but then there's other things after right discover your purpose and we talked a little bit today about making a difference what is the legacy that you're going to leave and reflecting the light of jesus christ and so Congratulations, once again, to those of you that have accepted or rededicated your life, we would love to, uh, you know, like, like I said, congratulate you and celebrate with you today. And right now we're going to go into a time of, uh, of giving and offering. And uh, what I want you to know, first and foremost is, hey, if you're new here today, we don't want anything from you, we want everything for you but if you call god squad church your home church or maybe maybe it is your first time or maybe you've been here for a, a few times before hey uh, and, and god is pressing it on your heart to give today to be able to help us to do what we do here at god squad church um you know the thing is, is is giving and sacrificing of specifically of our finances is a form of worship to god jesus talks about it a lot in the new testament it's one of the most talked about subjects that he actually uh, talks about and uh, it gets a little bit uncomfortable when we talk about finances sometimes. We start talking about our physical treasures and things of that nature, but the fact of the matter is that this is something that has been going on uh, you know, for thousands and thousands of years where people have been giving to further the kingdom of God and what that looks like. And for us here at God Squad Church, this continues to help us to be able to continue with the vision. It helps us with our digital missionaries. It helps us with the events that we have, with the pastors that we have, and all the different things that we do here at God Squad Church to help gamers to come to know who Jesus Christ is. It's because of your faithfulness and generosity that we're able to continue to do this, and so I wanted to thank you for those of you that have been faithful and generous. But I also want to uh, let, let you know, let it be known, that. Um, If you call God Squad Church your home church, it's something that I challenge and encourage you to do. It's not always easy to sacrifice your finances, but I promise you that when you are giving, you know, the Lord tells us he doesn't tell us to give with a heart where we're trying to just hold on to everything. But he tells us to give with a heart that is uh, that is that is that is excited, that is expecting that that He is going to do better and greater things throughout this entire community as we continue to uh, to reach out to other people, so that Jesus can change more lives. I want you to know there are multiple safe and secure ways you can give the God Squad Church. You can do so by going into uh, you can by. Uh, typing exclamation point point give in the chat, which is already in there. It will show you a few different ways that you can give. You can also go into the panels below, click on the give link that will allow you to give through PayPal. You can also go to our website at uh, godsquatchurch.com give. That will allow you to be able to do a one-time donation or recurring donations of monthly or weekly if you would like to. And then finally, if you're a U.S. resident, you can also use text to give by texting any amount to number uh, 84321. Um, it's going to take you through a little bit of a – of a uh, for if it's a first-time thing that you're doing, it's going to be like 30 seconds to a minute or so to be able to get through that. But after that, it's as easy as just taking out your phone and texting any amount to number 84321. But no matter how you are giving, we thank you so much for your faithless and generosity. Every penny counts. Every penny counts.